0: to the impeccable perspective podcast where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding
1: your truth while having some fun doing it now here are your hosts joe peck and Luann randy
0: All right, everyone. Welcome back once again to the podcast. We are coming at you live from Impeccable Headquarters. Uh, <laughs> I feel
1: like a superhero when you say that.
0: Uh, it's <laughs> pretty awesome. I mean, you know, we're we're live as as much as you can be live on a podcast. Get
1: your cape out.
0: Get your cape out. Get ready to roll. We're going to jump off the the building here and kick off the episode. We have uh, a very very exciting another thought provoking. And dare I say a titillating topic to discuss today. We're talking about chocolate? We are talking about... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chocolate can be very titillating. It Uh, can. Depends on how clever and creative you are, which I'm not uh, opposed to. But uh, maybe it ties into the topic, I suppose, if you're kinky enough <laughs> i don't know i was
1: just thinking more like a woman in chocolate you know oh. you're just thinking more like a man well, i was thinking
0: a woman in chocolate too but <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> not not that kind all kinds of
0: other things uh anyway moving past yet yeah, we just can't seem to uh to keep this on the straight stra-
1: i think that maybe you has defi- a tough well, time with that
0: that's up for debate, debate. But you're probably right Which is cool. So with that in mind, I'm going to let you introduce the topic because, quite frankly, the word makes me blush.
1: Oh, good. It makes you blush. Today we're going to talk about pornography. (laughs) It is a difficult uh, topic to talk about in the church, but a much-needed one. One that has become more prevalent in our society today with the Internet and with the free access to it for um, anyone to look at. And it's not a matter of... If you will ever see pornography, but when. And I think that's what we address with our children. So maybe we'll even talk a little bit about that, how to address that with children. Yes. Obviously, this is a podcast for adults, not for children to the things that we're talking about. Um, But it's super important to talk with your kids and help them to gain an understanding of what it is because it is very attractive. And we'll talk a little bit about that also. Um, So much to talk about. So much. So many interesting things to talk about, and nice. the culture again, and maybe how um, that plays a part and has come into the LDS culture and um, the shame. We're back to the shaming, and that's one of the biggest approaches to, of parents is to shame children for it, and that's where a lot of the problems have come from. So I'll let you launch into that.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I dare say that the LDS culture does uh, hold the market on shame. Uh, it's it's not the only one I mean, you know there was a lot of that in the Catholic Church as well, but um, that is a uh, kind of a go- to, I think for the church culture, isn't it to just automatically shame, shame. Uh, yeah.
1: it's a go-to, I think for a lot of religions that shame is something that you're um, making not that so let's let's talk a little bit about that for a second just to gain a, a basic understanding. Shame is that I'm a mistake, not that I made a mistake. And so whenever, um, let's take pornography, whenever parents are dealing with children, it's shame on you that you're, something's wrong with you that you looked at it, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, and that's why you chose to look at it, but again, most of the time, children are exposed to pornography because it just comes across a feed of something that they're looking at or a friend shows it to them. They don't necessarily know to seek it out because they haven't learned. But once they see it and their brains become stimulated by that because of the dopamine that's released, they want more of it. And that's, it's just the human brain and the way that it's wired. And it's teaching them, you're not a mistake. You are good enough. You know what, you you are not less than because you did it. It's simply a part of this world, and you're going to be exposed to those things. And now, what do you choose to do after that? And helping them to understand that it is a wonderful thing and that it is something that's normal and natural, but that pornography is something that has taken something normal and natural and shifted it into and morphed it into something that is bigger, better unnatural. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, You're good enough. You're smart enough. Gosh, darn it. People like you. <laughs> <laughs> One of
1: my favorite skits on Saturday always, Night Live. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: That's a, that's a classic. No classic. question. Stuart Smalley. Uh, good times and very appropriate. So that's right. That's a good mantra though. Look in the mirror and just say that to yourself and you'll, uh, that'll help you out. But yes, um, th- th- it's interesting because, uh, you know, the adversary has a a counterfeit right for everything that we have everything that's good in this life there's a, a i'll say an evil counterfeit that the uh, adversary has and uh, you know he takes great pleasure in in watching the culture of the church shame people right because shame is it, it's a, it's a terrible emotion that he wants people to feel right it makes your heart hurt it makes you self-conscious it makes you uh really um I think uh it it hurts your self esteem for example, right, right? because you your self worth you think less of yourself because of the shame and you, you assume that when people are shaming you that they're right that's the problem i think
1: right well and and that's the thing so if they're shaming me, I look at again myself as the mistake or the problem, and then I become bad, and that's where this i it's not no it's no longer I've made a mistake I'm bad, I'm wrong, and I have to do all of these things to make up the difference to not be bad and a lot of religions are based off of the uh, understanding that we are bad and we need to do everything to become good to redeem ourselves and that's the exact opposite of partaking of the atonement he's already paid the price I just need to submit to find that and that's again teaching children whenever you do something the atonement is there and it's okay we want you to make mistakes we want you to learn from those mistakes you're going to make them every day And for parents, I still love you just as much, even though you made the mistake. But children will tell me in therapy, I don't feel good enough because I didn't get like an A on a test. So that's missing the mark in that I wasn't perfect and my parents, or I didn't turn in my homework. So my parents took my phone away or my parents don't love me as much if I don't do these things. And it's... Parents not holding their love back because their par- their kids have made a mistake. The parents giving an outpouring of love and saying, we still love you just as much because we understand we make mistakes too. Everyone does. The only person who lived that didn't was the Savior because that's that was his role in this. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so shame is huge in religions because they feel like if they shame it and it is Satan's tool, I would say that shame is one of Satan's greatest tools that he uses because if he can get us into that shaming loop, then it takes our focus off of the savior and puts it back on ourselves. And I have to do this myself. I have to be the one to make up the difference. I have to almost like pay the price that For every bad thing I did, I now need to do 10 things to make up the difference for it. And I need to serve 10 people or I need to, you know, well, if you're a Catholic, how many prayers would you you say? You have to say,
0: you know, like um, five our fathers Fathers and ten Hail Marys, for example, something like that. There would be a penance that you receive, but it's literally just this here, this is what you do. This is how you fix it. And it's just, I don't think it comes down to that.
1: But that's what I love about the Catholic Church. Is It's very, even to a number, you're going to do (laughs) this number and then you will be forgiven. But that takes the atonement completely out of the equation. That's a really good
0: point. It totally does. And, you know, uh, talking about shame and that being sort of ingrained in us, um, you know, thinking about the Catholic church, especially because they have the concept of original sin, right? Which is like, basically, we're all born in the hole. in sin in sin like we're, we're starting from like we're way behind the starting line we're starting you know underwater uh, automatically as a baby and i was uh, actually having this conversation with a, a really close friend of mine who is um, not LDS but uh, we both grew up catholic and so we we were talking about baptism right and uh, and how uh, so as a catholic i was baptized as as an, an, infant, an infant at 3 weeks old because the, the whole idea is of original sin meaning that I'm born a sinner because of what the, the, because of the fall, right? Because of what Adam chose Eve, to do. Yeah, the, chose exactly. to do. Right. But the thing is you're, which, and this, this is the thing of the conversation, um, we're not uh, being, being held accountable for someone else's sin is not the plan of salvation it doesn't even make sense mm-hmm. logically but, that's, but how can a child do that and so I was explaining that in the eldest church we have the age of accountability which is 8 years old where we feel that a, a human being is able to discern right from wrong at that age and so that's when we baptize them because up until that age they're not really accountable for any sins that they do. They're going to sin. Kids do that. They hit their sister. They pull her hair. They sure. break their toys, right? They'll do stuff to people, but they don't understand enough about right and wrong to be held accountable until the age of eight. Is That's what it was determined. And so up until that point, there's no need for baptism because they can't sin, essentially. Correct. So there's no need to be baptized with that. And uh, she made a really good point, actually, uh, uh, that I hadn't thought of about that. Um, and the whole idea of infant... Um, like like an infant dying, right? A child dying. Uh, uh, so she was saying that, uh, you know, getting baptized as a as an infant. If you die, you know, when you're five or six or whatever, something like that, um, you will be guaranteed to go to heaven. That's why they do that too to baptize you as an infant, because if something happens tragically to you as a child, then you're automatically going to gonna go to heaven because you've been baptized already. Which is a very interesting point, and and it's, it's great to see that that is something that the religion is thinking about because that's a valid thing. And we think about it too in the LDS church, but we just know we don't have to do baptism because a child is covered up until the age of eight. There's no sin. So if they do perish right before the age of eight years old, then they go right to heaven. Kind of and thing. then
1: they get taught, and that's a whole different thing to well, exactly, talk about yeah. that's that That's a whole other topic,
0: exactly, yeah, which, which but, is fine. But,
1: but if, yeah, and that's the thing, If I, and it's, <clears throat> Adam felt that man might be, because in order for us to be, he had to have the fall, but, and then man is that he might have joy, and it's understanding that that particular sin that they had had to happen for us to come about, but we're not held accountable, and we're back to the articles of faith that we're not punished for Adam's transgressions which is why we don't need to do that but it's still this interesting you are when you sin you have to make up that difference and and not shaming them for that and what's interesting so this leads right into the topic shame is usually i'd say 95% at the core of addiction and And pornography becomes an addiction and people feel shame and they want to escape from that. And so what do they do? They find an addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, food, food, right. And sleep. I have a lot of them that will sleep all day long because they want to escape from that feeling of shame. And that's where the addictions come from. So let's, let's kind of hop into uh, pornography and where that starts.
0: Yes. Um, that's really interesting. And, uh, you know, just kind of looking at, uh, I, I guess I'm thinking about where it starts and I, I just think about, well, you know, what do I know and what have I experienced and things like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's never been an issue for me at all, thankfully, but I've always realized the, uh, the, how, how bad it is, the, how destructive it is, the, uh, you know, just the effects of it. And I, I never ever got into it. Um, but growing up, you know, outside the church and everything like that, it's it's really acceptable. I think it kind of really just starts with um, with society, because you know, growing up, uh, you know, with, with with boys especially, becoming men and whatnot, it's all about um, you know sexual power. It's all about conquest, right? It's 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 all about being a man. You know, like there's this mentality that you have to do that, and and there's just this really warped perception that. Um, you know, I uh, I need to be a man. You have to be a man. And so, you know, you have to have a lot of sex and you have to, uh, you know, not uh, be emotional and, you know, you don't really take into consideration, you know, women's feelings and things like that because it's just kind of all foo-foo fluffy stuff that, you know, is for women. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with uh, sleeping with a lot of women. There's nothing wrong with watching pornography because it satisfies a desire. And all these things, there's just this... Testosterone-driven male mentality out in society that says all this stuff is okay. Like Correct. you should be doing this kind of stuff if you're a real man, right? You should be doing this kind of stuff, and then you start doing it, and you, you get these horrible emotions that come into your heart and make you feel terrible.
1: But and you it, ignore it because, again, yeah. you're supposed—that's normal. That's normal. And what everyone's doing, your friends talk about it, and there's and there's a lot of advertising and a lot of putting into your mind this is normal and natural mm-hmm. to look at women and to treat women in this way and to desire women in this way and it's interesting that you said power because that's one of the quotes that I have is in um in the gospel topics which I love to go to that cuz it's kind of this little hey let's take this and hone it down into something pretty easy it talks about how we can become clean pure and virtuous and the Lord encourages us to the same thing we talked about in the other podcast, let virtue garnish our thoughts unceasingly. If virtue, which is power, garnishes my thoughts unceasingly, it's interesting that you're talking about whenever you know you have the power to be the sexual being, that's really, again, where that power of virtue comes in, is keeping your thoughts in a place of virtue keeps that power, that sexual power in a place of healthiness and wholeness, not in a place of going to something else which takes away that sexual power and it does it releases it in a way that's unhealthy and it isn't given to someone that you love and someone that you want to join and be with
0: well exactly uh and it's um it's just sort of a rite of passage i think for men and it's you know you can't really tell a guy you shouldn't watch porn that's destructive (laughs) you know that's a problem i mean i think it's not until they actually get well deep into an addiction that they would humble themselves enough to admit it that's kind of where it goes, I think. But, you know, in the beginning, it's like there's nothing wrong with pornography at all. It's okay. It's don't be crazy. It's just, you know, just watch it to, uh, to, to enhance experience or, you know, hey, when my girlfriend's not around and I'm in the mood, you know, I, I've got to take care of business kind of thing. It's just like a, a, you know, a tool or a resource for people. That's kind of how it's regarded with no real understanding of the effects. And also, it's, it's part of the, 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 just the culture. I'm not talking about the culture of the church, and, but the culture of society Um, just says that, you know, you don't want to admit that you have a problem. You don't want to admit there's an addiction and, and you, you know, you, you really just need to, um, just use this for what you want and don't worry about the repercussions of it. That's the mentality.
1: Right. And it's personal gratification and that's where addictions are gratifying and they're, it's, it's interesting. It's instant gratification. So as we get into talking about the brain and about how this, this works with the brain and what it does to it, it's interesting. I was talking with a a man once who had a, a pornography issue and he said, you know, um, pornography, I don't have to take out on a date. I don't have to spend money on it or time or energy because if I have a girlfriend, then I ha- she wants me to, to pay attention to her, to talk to her. That takes energy, and I have. we go out on dates. And in order for us to be sexual, or, or even your wife, you know, that you have to expend this to get close to this person. And even then, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get that gratification at the end. But pornography is there all the time. It never turns you down. It doesn't take any effort or emotional energy and it's and that's the emptiness in it is now i have personally gratified myself and there's no connection at all and that that woman that seems attracted to me because that's what the pornographic images will give to you is that this woman wants that and is attracted to you that's all a farce and it's not real and we're not now we're not in the truth we're not in the moment and where We're grounded in our body in reality, which is that it's between a man and a woman to have to intensify emotions and physical closeness and even spiritual closeness. And it's something that Heavenly Father gave us to be sanctified and amazing. And that's totally lost it. And then the addiction part comes in because all of pornography is this bigger, better. Everything is airbrushed and is enhanced and is bigger better and the human brain looks for things that are bigger and better because that goes into the old caveman brain of I want to procreate and in order to do that I want strong genetics and whoever it looks bigger and better and seems to be able to give that to me that means that my posterity has a better chance of survival than if I breed with someone that is not as desirable. And you
0: can see how that plays into the, the fantasy of it all, right? That's that's kinda of what it what it is for guys and this is where it's so destructive is, is guys just believe that, you know, sex is just this fantasy and, and porn delivers that. Like it is designed. To deliver a fantasy, I mean, you can find anything you want, right? In terms of you, porn, any kind can. of fetish, any kind of type of pornography, any kind of type of sexual, um, you know, activity that involves any kind of people that you want, right? <laughs> whatever you think is is crazy and whatever turns you on, you can go find that. And I mean, this is, I mean, they market directly to people to those fantasies, and there is a weird, crazy, uh, you know, uh, market for any kind of thing that people can think of. And, uh, and so they provide all that, but you can see, even if you're like, there's a normal person dealing with this, you can see how relationships have become terribly transactional, right? When you talk about, well, if I want to have sex with my wife tonight, I've got to take her out to dinner. I've got to clean the house. I've got to do whatever she needs me to do. And I'm going to hope that she's going to be in the mood and all these things. And, you know, that, that it's, that's the mindset that kind of leads to people, leads, leads people to think that, you know, well, pornography is okay, right? Because... I need to uh, fulfill this, and she's not doing it. I tried, you know, and she still wasn't interested, or whatever. When really the breakdown is in communication and your relationship, and the which relationship. Is a whole relationship topic, but that, that's what's going on. But the I think the the problem, and, and now today, I mean, it was different when we were growing up, you know, when we were teenagers and. You know, one of my friends had a Playboy or something like that, which was rare to happen. But, I mean, they would sneak their dads, for example, right? That was probably the most common thing. You know, when you're a teenager, you can't go buy that stuff. And that was the only option we had growing up was to go to a store and buy it. So, like, I was too ashamed to ever, ever even try anything like that. Well, and they
1: wouldn't sell it to you because you were a kid because there's an age limit. But, again, and then there was the shame of if you're caught with it. Then, then, then oh my
0: gosh, I can't. I mean, just the I didn't. I didn't do so many things because just the fear of what my mother would do to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like the punishment would be. I was scared to death scared to, to do death. anything because I knew what was going to happen. And I mean, I guess that's okay, but because I didn't do certain things.
1: Yeah, but fear is a motivator that is very powerful, but is not a long last motivator. And, and that's given in how many of us have gotten a, dr- a ticket because we've driven too fast. Guilty. I, I have. And what happens, the fear is, oh, I don't want to get another ticket. So we drive the speed limit for about how long, Joe, does that last in you, your in life? In between tickets? Yes. Oh. Or in between in between when you start speeding again. Oh. So I speed, I get a ticket, and I'm like, oh, man, I really got to drive the speed limit. So, yeah. okay, the speed limit's 55. I go 56, maybe 57. It's and not that long lasts... for me.
0: It's kind of like when um, we used to drink in college and you mm-hmm. get just hammered really drunk. drunk and... And, yeah, and then you would get sick and you would just pass out and all this stuff and you would swear in your life you'll never drink again and then about the next weekend comes along you're pretty much ready to go again so it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of that kind of timing for me I think is a little bit like that and I mean I just naturally uh you know kind of drive I'm much better now I will be honest I am much much better now to be honest like in terms of speeding things like that I used to speed a lot and uh, I got a lot of tickets over the years and I I don't anymore Mm because I just like it's just not worth it anymore and I think you kind of mature that and
1: way. that's the maturity but it lasts for a couple days maybe oh, it's, and it's, then the know, fear right wears off because
0: it's habitual right you right you, you, you have to break that but first.
1: now let's go into even with the the fear of having a playboy now what do you equate sexuality with with fear with my mom caught me with this and there must be something bad and wrong and shame on me for looking at this woman and having sexual thoughts And that's the interesting thing. The sexual thoughts are natural and normal. The pornography is the part that's the issue. So teaching your children, okay, so we were out shopping for my 12-year-old and we were in the bra section because when... You know, girls are that age.
0: Should I plug my ears and, no, it, at this point, You're
1: okay. And our, <laughs> our 14-year-old son was with us, and she said, Mom, he's looking at the pictures of the women who have the bras on. And I said, Good. That means that he's an actual 14-year-old boy, because that's normal and natural for boys to be interested in. Curious. It, it's a curiosity. And for him to be interested in that is talking to him and saying, you know what, it's good that you see the body as something beautiful and normal and natural because they are. And, and it's the shaming part that then you equate bad wrong. There's something wrong with me for wanting that. And then sexual in, intimacy is looked at as something as bad or wrong because it plants that seed into the child's if, if you ran over system. and
0: you know grabbed that... What we was he looking at? It, just a, a Oh, they have pictures. Pictures, yeah. So yeah, let's just so say it was a, a, it was a newspaper or a magazine or something like that. But if you went over and grabbed that out of his hand and said, don't look at that, that's what we're talking about. That's the message you're sending where right. that starts to connect in his mind. Oh, this is wrong. This is bad. But everything you described is exactly how the culture of the church shames people about sex, right? And that's, that's I mean, a fact. And I don't know. You, you can push back all you want on, on that kind of thing. And I've had people like our last... Uh, episode on dating was uh, controversial and I've, I had some amazing feedback on that. I loved it actually. And people came back with great feedback. People came back with, with concerns about some of the things we said, and that's fine too. It's, it's, I welcome that because uh, it made me realize that, Hey, maybe, you know, things are taken away that I didn't you know, expect, them, didn't to be expect them to be.
1: And that's the thing that whenever we say things, it is, it is our opinions and that we're expressing these things and we want feedback on that and that we're not perfect either. Of course, yeah. It's, of again, this.
0: this is just like, uh, you, you know, this is our perspective on things, and I think it's important because it, more often than not, I've had people come back to me and say, I, you know, I never thought of it that way because I was told this growing up and told that growing up. And what you were told is the traditions of the Father kind of stuff. And what you were told came from a place of shame.
1: Or fear. Or fear. And, and that's the hard part yeah. is the belief systems aren't based on truth and righteousness and love. They're based on fear. And so that's where, whenever your mom, you have this fear, and that's very true. If I'm found with this, I fear the wrath of my mother. If we could teach our children, I, I don't agree with that, and let's talk about why that is, why that's unhealthy, then they gain an understanding of, I have these feelings of interest curiosity which are again normal natural wonderful things because that's God-given to procreate and to be attracted to someone and teaching them and validating that and then helping them to understand and this is not something that will help you to develop those it it will go back to food you want your body to grow and be healthy kit cats and snickers bars are not the way to get there though my children after halloween would tell you because I found quite a few wrappers in the garbage yesterday that's, that they are very delicious and that you can get there, but that eating dinner is the way to grow a healthy body. It's the same idea of let's talk about what you're about in a very simple childlike way that someday you will have someone that you love and that you want to be with and get married to and have that closeness with.
0: Absolutely. Um, yes, there's there's a, a lot uh, to this. It's just a super complicated topic. And it's kind of fascinating, I think, in a lot of ways, to me, how uh, all of this works. And I'm always as a convert, like I'm super fascinated by the concept of the adversary, because we never believed, really, that there was an adversary before. And once you kind of have a fullness of the plan of salvation, understand the role that the adversary plays, it's very fascinating to see Behavior and porn is like you said. This is probably his number one tool because his goal is to destroy the family, right, and Correct. to take away agency. And that's uh, you know, and that's a whole other topic we should actually talk about agency on another episode uh, because I find that fascinating. And uh, you know, we're seeing. That in the government, for example, Correct. taking away our taking freedom away our... to choose, right? Mm-hmm. They're just taking away that and saying, "Here, here's all you have to do. here We're making the choices for you." Very interesting how all this plays out, but um, the uh, I, I find it fascinating just to uh, see how how strong uh, you know the adversary is now because of everything that he has and all the tools that he has available, and how the. The barrage is just relentless, right, of him just attacking the family. I mean, and, you know, what's interesting to me is we are, at this stage in history, we are fighting a spiritual war versus a physical war, right? Meaning that 200 years ago, people, it was a very physical battle. They didn't have the technology that we had today. So they worried about feeding themselves. They worried about, uh, you know, uh, being able to survive uh, they, they worried about whatever, just... Um,
1: safety. safety, I'm, not, gonna, I'm yes. not going to get killed, I'm not going all to be attacked, things, yeah. we need to fortify ourselves, right, but we don't live in that world, no. look, there's look not at a at bear everything. outside my door. There's
0: not, there's food everywhere you want, everywhere you go, literally anywhere you want to go, uh, it's available, we have money, we have comfort, we have incredible technology, all these things, so we're, we're, we don't worry about the kind of physical threats that people did in the past. Now we worry about the spiritual threats, which are much greater, I think. And we, it's, it's just interesting if you think about, uh, you know, if you believe in the second coming as a Christian and, you know, the end of the world, whatever you want to call it. Uh, eventually that that is going to happen and things lead up to it. And, you know, we're being prepared for that and we have to be able to determine whose side you're going to be on because it's going to get worse and worse. But it's just very interesting to see how technology plays into that and creates the opportunity for the adversary to tempt us, and now we have, and how easy it is to destroy families like like this. If you look at it, your kids all have their own phones, and your phone gives you complete access to anything you want, right? anything at all, pornography, everything, 24-7 for free, anywhere you are. Like We've never seen anything like that in the history of the world, that kind of access.
1: And that's typically where I see clients struggle with it, is they have their phones in their rooms, their parents aren't aware of what's going on, And they they will admit whenever I'm in there, I feel like no one else knows and so I'm okay. They still feel, like you said, that guilt whenever they're looking at it. But they but the pull and the dopamine that they get from the image and from the the it's it's just huge. Like there's a dopamine release because again, I'm looking at something that is intriguing, that is that sexuality brings us excitement and it it's greater than the guilt and that's where the addiction starts is I want more of that. And with and like you're talking about, there's many different kinds that you can go and search out. The the problem is as the dopamine is released and addiction starts, the brain becomes used to that level of dopamine and it needs more after that. And that's where they turn to even different types of pornography that become more and more off
0: yeah, well, this is a slippery slope. And I mean, that reminds me of uh, you know my lifestyle in college and after college, all these things where you know, I, you're know just interested in, in, in dating women and, and having sex, right? That's, that's kind that's of what you want. Goal, right? That's the goal. And it was always this thrill of the chase kind of thing, right? It was always that there was this huge dopamine release when you meet a really a pretty girl that you're attracted to and she's interested and then you guys go and have sex and all this stuff. And then the shame and the guilt happens the next day happens later when you're like, ah, I don't respect this girl at all. I don't even want to see her anymore. That was, you know, we just totally hooked up on the first date and right. And it's just like, I don't, uh, there's a horrible feeling now. I feel terrible and uh, you know, I'm not going to do it again. But then you have this, but, but the thrill of it leading up to that was amazing. And And it's huge. It's huge. It's very huge. And your brain says, I want that again. So you just go back and it's just very cyclical. And I just remember how cyclical it was and just over and over again. And I knew I was going to feel horrible the next day. I knew I was going to feel shame. I knew I was not going to see this girl again. I knew I was disrespecting her and not even treating her right sometimes, things like that. But you still do it because oh, I'm just going to do it differently with a different girl or I'm going to, you know, I just want that excitement so much. It's so cool. And it's just, it's just, it's a pattern that just goes over and over and over and you can't get out. And it is a horrible slippery slope because it, the you, you become you're not satiated anymore after a certain period of time correct. and you have to go to another level to receive that level of dopamine or, or that effect that to you to still have
1: your brain feel that yeah. way correct and that's the difficult part and it's right it's exactly what you're talking about that where it's more of a spiritual thing now than it is a physical thing that is being attacked by satan and how it, it, it whenever porn is viewed it's a tool of the adversary that the, the spirit leaves and that's and it's now this spiritual warfare of okay the spirit's left and and it takes time and healing to get it it back because it chase it it can't reside whenever you're engaging in those particular things and i think even though you're not A member, like you felt that too. You weren't a member at that time, but you felt the spirit leave, and that's where that guilt came from. In that, I know that this isn't something that I really want because that calling to truth and that calling to live what God wants us to be is in all of us. Innately, all human beings are good. They want connection. They want to have someone that they're close to, that they can have a relationship with, and pornography destroys that. As people become, so again, I I work, I don't work a lot with pornography addicts, but I have as people start to view porn, their brains become wired into those images and it it becomes habitual. So it's neural pathways. And anytime we have a habit that we start, the neural pathway starts to be formed, including walking. So whenever a baby's born, they don't have a neural pathway for walking. So they crawl and that neural pathway starts. And then they start to take a couple steps and that neural pathway starts to form. And now as adults, we don't even have to think about walking because it's like a freeway as opposed to there's no path and I'm bushwhacking through a jungle to try and and form that. So pornography is the same way. Whenever I start, it starts this neural pathway, and the more I look at it and the more I engage in it, the bigger that neural pathway becomes, and it becomes very normal to me, and then whenever it's time to engage with a human being, they can't become aroused and they are not interested in that because that has never been a part of their life, and they're missing that whole connection, that whole human connection that we long for and that we thrive in and that brings us joy and they miss that joy and then they turn to the addiction because that's the only place that they find the joy and it is at that point that's where life is kind of hits rock bottom and all they know is is that pornography addiction and that's where the church has really noticed that and started the addiction recovery program which is amazing and there are many groups all over The world for that. And if you're not in a place that has one, they have one virtually now that you can work the 12 steps. And pornography addiction is probably the biggest one that they work with within the addiction recovery. There are other ones for alcohol and overeating, but pornography by far is. the the biggest one to be addressed.
0: Well, there's no question about that. I mean, if you just look at society, porn is everywhere in various forms, right? I mean, we're not just talking hardcore porns, but if you look in advertising, sex has been used throughout history, of course, to sell and everything like that. But we're at a point in today's society where there are no limits anymore. There's no boundaries on that, right? Where it's okay to show very provocative, very sexualized images in advertisements. You look at music videos, for example. There's really no limits on that at all. I mean, even you know, they, they can simulate sex ac- activities in videos and things like that and not actually having sex, but it's, but one it's, step, still, I mean, it's still, it's very, the image is pointing. I mean, you, you connect the dots very quickly in your mind, right? That this is okay. This is how it's done. If you're successful, you know, you, you just have sex with beautiful women all the time and it's, it's, it's completely just throwaway. It's all about just feeding yourself and your ego. There's no relationship to it in any way. There's no uh, sacrifice that you have to make. There's no commitment that you have to make. This is just take, take, take for my desires and feed my desires and then that's right. what that makes you successful.
1: And the conditioning leads to people um, doing it over and over again and seeing people as objects that women become an object for me to use right. to get this gratification and then it becomes obsessive and it becomes again add addiction we- and that's where child trafficking has come into such a huge market which... It's now being exposed and and taken. there are steps being taken to end that. But it's that same idea that children have become objectified and that people are pushing for them to be used for their pleasure. And it's
0: it's, strictly sexual gratification, just like it's just a throwaway object now. That's what human beings have become in terms of sex and, and porn. And, you know, it's a boundary issue. Uh, people have no boundaries anymore about that, right? It's just just about my own personal gratification, and whatever I have to do to do it is fine. There's no boundaries. There's no concern for anyone else, and it's just escalated into this absolute horrible problem that is affecting society all over the place, everywhere, in every aspect of it.
1: In every aspect. And that's the thing in the church, and and even people who are Christian, it it is going to affect their lives because it is part of the world, and it's now how... Do I look at it, do I see it and not ingest it and not take it in to be a part of me? But to look at it and say, you know what, I, I don't want to take part in that. I don't want to to be a a part of my life and a part of my sexual intimacy. And and it's difficult because even in marriages, sometimes, well, many times, one of the partners they they're starting to fall apart, and then they find out, oh, my partner's been looking at pornography for years, no wonder our marriage isn't working but it hasn't been spoken and it hasn't been shared and the communication hasn't been there and it's the, that's the major part of of all of this within the church is open communication, which again, the culture has not cultivated. Let's talk openly about these things. No. And and I, in young men and young women's, there is a month where we talk about pornography and about addictions. And I, those are probably the hardest lessons. And I've seen them skirted around where they don't open up and really talk about it and say, let's talk openly about this, that it is part. It is something that you will face. And they've, they've already faced it. The median age now is 11 that someone sees a pornographic image, mm-hmm. and they've already faced it, and letting them talk about it and say, I'm really confused, because I really, I, I, I kind of feel excited inside, and I feel this draw to it, but I don't know what to do, and I and I want to look at it again, because we like that feeling of aci- excitement. We like roller coasters. I like roller coasters. I they're think okay. they're fun and yeah. exciting. As and, long as I don't get sick. Well. <laughs> <laughs> But but we long for that we because our daily lives are very you know very habitual very mundane and when we can get into that excitement it's like oh and I and that's the thing people are searching for that and in the marriage they will say my partner isn't um, into getting me excited and so I look at porn and then we can be sexually intimate but you've just taken the whole reason for intimacy which is to join together become excited through a different image and then. It's it's empty. How do you
0: translate that? I know it is. And, and honestly, if you can't be sexually aroused with just your partner, I mean, I think there's bigger issues there. You know what I mean? Like and you, it's you, you communication. Should it is communication. Yeah. And there's so many different levels of attraction and arousal and intimacy, right? You can be very turned on just by talking with your, I mean, just not even talking dirty. I'm just talking like no. just you know, connecting emotionally Uh, Even, even just uh, not even uh, doing any uh, any talking whatsoever, but just you know slow sensual uh, physical communication Mm -hmm. kinds of thing. Again, not not sex. Physical
1: connection is more of it. So you can connect by holding hands. I mean, something as simple as that is connecting. Dancing, right? Dancing. Yeah, going out and being together and really sharing, and it's sharing at a deep emotional intimate. Level that brings more of that desire for that physical, deep, intimate level because they're all connected together. It does.
0: If you connect with someone, and this is really, really true, if you connect with someone on on a level, even if you're just out on a date and you're doing something fun and you're, you know, uh, whatever you're doing, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Maybe you're just uh, running around playing a game or, or, you know, whatever the, the case is, you're connecting and you feel a sexual attraction from doing something completely non-sexual right. because you've just built a connection with that person all of a sudden you say i'm connecting with you i find that really attractive and i'm like i could i'm i could see us connecting physically
1: i'm of that. i'm deeply attracted and i have the desire to connect at a deeper level yes and it's becoming aware and listening to that which pornography has stunted that or blocked that in people because they don't feel that anymore and and it can heal again through recovering and turning to the savior and turning in the 12 steps turning my life and my will over to god and knowing that only a power greater than myself can bring me to sanity cuz it reaches this insane level that that then it is taken it is cleansed and that feeling starts to come back and it takes for addictions they say that however long you've had the addiction it takes twice as long for it to heal and for the brain to come back to a place of of no, norm like yeah. normal function and, and so if I've been addicted for two years, it's going to take about four years for you to be clean and sober and be able to find that level. But it'll come back. And then it's that excitement of I want to now have something deeper with you because I have I've touched that part of me and you. They've connected in that emotional way to, to be able to find that. And that's the wonderful, amazing part of being married and having a partner Oh,
0: it is, yeah, and it is, and just you know, treating sex the way it should be treated, meaning respecting it and understanding what a beautiful gift it is, and sharing with it, that with someone, versus taking it as a, as a means to an end, where sex is just a way to gratify myself. It changes everything in your relationship too. But can you see how just when you were talking about um, all of this and the connection and everything, can you see how when couples, let's say or whoever views porn. To get them in the mood, or to enhance their sex life, or whatever like that, to see how that is a substitute for making a connection, mm-hmm. and it also what it also does is it basically just says, "Hey, this is our shortcut. Like we don't actually don't have to work at our relationship anymore. Instead of just connecting and getting in the mood through that way, we're just going to watch porn and get it. So we're back to lazy learners now.
1: Right? It is a lazy learner and it's fake. But <laughs> it's that's totally the fake. thing. It's fake, and then they wonder why their marriage is struggling because." Our marriage in that realm is based on fakeness and it's not based on the reality that if I don't want to be with you, asking myself why is that? What's going on inside of me and inside of our marriage that needs to be addressed and looked at in a deeper way, building that awareness and building that being in the moment with that person that that I'm not looking at? And there's probably something deeper that needs to be brought up and talked about and, and worked through to regain that trust it's trust and that oh, yeah. that intimacy
0: it is and also you know porn just kind of it changes your attitude towards things because i i, I feel like you're just going to want to give up like you're just not going to want to try to do what you're talking about to make those connections anymore it's just easier to watch porn and i mean porn is destructive like it changes your mind as we know like an addiction and, and i've heard that it's you know as bad as cocaine in terms of what it does to your brain right the, it's how about, it the same. about the same yeah mm-hmm. and so that's horrible but I, I think it also changes your behavior, it changes your, your thought process and your personality. And you just become really super selfish with it as a person. But that is going to extend into every aspect of your life. That's the problem. You're going to start taking shortcuts. And I'm, I'm not going to work on a relationship, you know, in this way either, because you know, it's, it's not about just getting aroused and having sex. But it's like, you know, we have a shortcut for you know, creating that connection when we have sex. So let's find another shortcut for creating a connection when we do other things but, together.
1: But how many shortcuts do we have in life, Joe, that we use I'm all not the time? I'm saying it's right.
0: I'm just saying this is how people think. <laughs> I just right?
1: want, but I want people to understand that's a lot of where our lives have gone. The shortcut of I don't want to cook tonight. So so we're going to just go grab oh, something to eat. Life is full of eat. conveniences. That's, that's, that's exa-
0: everything. You know, everything in our life is is convenient. It's it's built that way, which is great in a lot of ways, and it does help our busy lives. But we have to, I think, understand that this is not a substitute. This is not how everything is supposed to be. It's it's not a, 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 a way to just not work at our relationships.
1: I, I think it's an understanding too that that's the the relationship between a man and a woman is one of the the deepest most intimate things you will experience here on this earth and that's why it's the link that continues on through eternity we love our children but our children will go on to become sealed to someone else and and that becomes that deep intimate relationship and that's why we take that with us and become and we and we stay together forever and if i can't create that here on earth and work on it here on earth what's it going to be like after this and it's taking that eternal view of what do I want for eternity, not what I want in this moment of gratification. Or the other thing, it's not just gratifying. People will use it as a release. That's the other thing I hear a lot. Well, I look at pornography because it's built up and I need to release something. I need to release um, things that have built up from work, stressors, fears, or even negative emotions, sadness. And that's the way that I cope and deal with it. It becomes an unhealthy coping mechanism. And that's not looking at the root of the problem again. That something is going on, and I'm not going to just escape and release through that. And that's even where in marriage, as many times it's used as a release, and it's not used as something that is connecting and binding.
0: No, I've noticed that my whole perspective changed. Um, we, you know, when I joined the church, I guess, and gained some more gospel knowledge on. Uh, you know, more of an eternal perspective on things, which I didn't really have in the Catholic church. And that changed everything for me. It changed how I viewed relationships and how I dated and it it changed how I thought, how I interacted with people all of these things. And yeah, I have, I have a much more, um, eternal focus when it comes to relationships, meaning that I want something meaningful that's going to last. And, uh, and I know that there's no value in something that is frivolous. and and throw away.
1: And it's interesting that you bring the gospel in and how once you have the gospel, it changes the perspective. So the knowledge does, right? It does. And now it's people in the gospel that are struggling with it. And, and I, I told Joe the part of what I, I'm passionate about this is that I was married to a pornography addict and it ruined our marriage. It ruined, it ruined our lives it ruined our family. It it was so selfish that it went from um, pornography to affairs to excommunication to rebaptism to pornography. I mean, it was an ongoing cycle of multiple affairs, multiple excommunications, and that derailed my spiritual path in some ways that it was very difficult to deal with, and it meant a lot about me that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't good enough, um, because it the sexuality part is us together and so my self-esteem took a huge beating as all women that I work with when their husbands are engaged in pornography or affairs and so in that selfishness people believe that it's not affecting others it's just affecting me it affects not only you but your children and then the generations that come after that and it's it's realizing that it's very selfish and it's destructive to the and and that's where our marriage ended was because of this pornography addiction and it's actually a sexual addiction that was just so destructive that that it couldn't couldn't work you can't
0: sustain a relationship like no, that in any possible way
1: no and i have people who um i work with that believe that they can go out and have multiple sexual partners and still have a marriage work and i've never seen it work
0: that's ridiculous that goes against the nature of who we are how we're created our dna god's plan for all of us and you know again it's people you know one of the natural man kinds of things is have your cake and eat it too right everybody wants to be fully satisfied and not have to ever sacrifice or anything like that it's interesting behavior that's for sure Um, i wrote a list of the effects of porn because i kind of got interested in all of that um, because it does extend way beyond yourself, um, which is cool. And it really affects so many things. So first of all, it overtakes lives. It brings horrible emotions into our hearts, which that uh, was my own personal experience uh, you know, before I joined the church, right, just having terrible emotions in my heart. Uh, it distorts our feelings. It damages relationships, a loss of self-control. This is very interesting, though. Total consumption of time, thought, and energy. Yep,
1: because it's an addiction. An addiction consumes my life. It does. If I'm if i'm at work i'm thinking about when my next hit's going to come whenever i'm with someone else i'm thinking about when i'm going to be able to escape into it. it consumes your life completely
0: and how do you how do you do anything how do you contribute to a healthy relationship with it's impossible that's the thing it's impossible mm-hmm. because a healthy relationship requires both people to to sacrifice willingly and to be constantly serving each other right and that is one of the I think the main Definitions of of marriage is is when the two people will come and work at serving each other that, That's the that's the idea, but you can't do that when you're addicted That kind of brings us I mean there's a couple other things. I want to talk about as well I think you, you may do have, have the same ideas, uh, but I am kind of you know, we, we want to talk maybe about um, How can we uh, protect our families from from this? One yeah. way, things like that, you know what I mean, and and what and I mean, protecting it's, it's, is an interesting word.
1: Yeah. You can't protect them by building a fortification because you you can't take away every TV phone.
0: Every choice you, you can't, you, do can't that. you can't take away choice, and
1: parents will try to do that. It doesn't work. It's teaching, which is to be a disciple is to teach. To discipline is to teach, and teaching your children these things will come across and you're gonna feel some excitement and some curiosity and teaching them again about those valid feelings but that it is something that is not in keeping with what will bring you happiness and joy in your life because it is not something that is real and something that is lasting and trying to teach them what's real and lasting and and help them to understand which in their little brains they don't get yet but they'll understand as they become adults and Feel they are, It's just that learning. Feel that guilt and feel those things and say, oh, yeah, I remember my parents talked to me about this, and, and I, I get where they're coming from now. I know.
0: There, theres I mean, there are things out there, filters and whatnot, that uh, protect, right? There's things you can do there on are. your There are,
1: and some of them are good, but I know a lot yeah. of kids that can find their way around well, they can them.
0: Around, yeah, for sure. But I think, I mean, I read this uh, about this topic, and I, it made me think, and I think it's really applicable. Um, the, the best filter that you can have is ba- basically your knowledge and faith in God and in the atonement, right, uh, and that you kind of, um, you know, when we talk about in, in our church is putting on the armor of God, right, mm-hmm. that whole thing, which, which means basically surrounding yourself with those protections that are available through the, the gospel, which may come in, in, in forms of prayer and scripture reading and scripture study and you know, being self-aware of the choices you're making, avoiding areas that may, you know, trigger a weakness that you have, right? Avoiding temptations.
1: Exactly. And that's great that you bring that up. Being self-aware is that awareness. You just want them to be aware of how do you feel whenever you see these things and choose to do these things? There's the key because they know inside and it's helping them to become aware of that. Absolutely.
0: And I think, you know, people will forget because when you get, you know, addicted to pornography or it's in, in your home, you know, and, and maybe you your let's say your husband is addicted and you're dealing with, with that. And, and I think it's easy to forget that the atonement is there to help you. So let's talk about the, the, let's say the wife, mm-hmm. right. Of someone who like you, who ha- was married to uh, an addict that way. I think, um, people kind of blame themselves for the choices of other people that your husband's doing this. And so you start to make, you, know, right. you start to blame yourself or you start to make assumptions about yourself. And, I think you know we we I think the last thing we think of is like, well, the atonement is there and and I can heal with the atonement, but that's a very real thing. I think we need to help people understand, right? Right.
1: And that's what the atonement is there for the wives of those because it at first it was that that if I changed because that's what he would say, if you will change, I won't have this problem. If you will do this, I won't have this problem. There's no truth to that. The problem is based in them. It's not based in you. And as it, it progressed after years after year, you know year after year, Um, I learned that no matter what I did, he still had the issue, and I, I had changed drastically, and I didn't like who I'd become, so I went back to reading my scriptures, going to the temple on a regular basis, and really asking God, and I found the more that I prayed and became closer to the Lord and became strengthened through that, the less it affected me, and I realized that that's all I needed to do, and that if that that's what brought me through all of it it wasn't easy and it it was a big trial and there were a lot of emotions but I was able to turn all of those over to the Savior through the atonement and it was a great learning process and that's where the trial becomes this amazing connection to the Savior because I had to have the Savior to even be able to make it into the next day like that's it, he was the, the rock that I had to be founded on because I didn't have anybody else to turn to or anyone else to lean on in that way. And, and it, support systems are important. Um, in ARP, there are spousal support meetings. They didn't have those back whenever I was going through this. But they are great because you realize there are other people that have the same thing going on and being able to support each other brings a lot of physical and like in-the-moment support that we need but ultimately it's turning to the savior and learning to rely on that.
0: Absolutely. And that, you know, I think if that's just is in the forefront of our minds, that can absolutely help us and, and it certainly will help us to not feel lonely and and, and helpless in, in this kind of situation. Um, I wanna just uh, I wanna mention one last topic really quickly, but this is something that's really interesting. It was sort of a, a bit of a revelation for me, I suppose. Um, you know, in, in, in our church, we have a lot of boundaries. We'll call it that, right? There's a lot of people will still look at the Mormon church and say, oh, there's so many rules. And how do you guys do this? You can't do this. You can't do that and all these things. And it's not like that. First of all, we're not made to do those things. We choose to do those things and we choose which things we want to do, basically. But boundaries are there for our protection. That's the whole right. point of it is to protect us, to keep us healthy, keep us safe. And, and there's you know, certain things that can be very destructive if you let them get out of control. And so the, the, really, this is an exercise in self-mastery. Right, which is very fascinating to me, and it's not—it's not saying sex is wrong, sex is bad. You shouldn't enjoy it. You you shouldn't—you know—have a healthy sex life. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there's—there's—you know—if you you can master, like we have a, a desire for sex, right. If you let that get out of control, then you turn into these people who just get addicted to porn and these people who just uh, have no respect for sex or for women or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They just want to gratify their own desires. That's very unhealthy. That's horrible. It's not to say the desire is wrong. It's really just mastering, right? Self-mastering, mastering that desire. But when you, when you can do that with, in terms of sex and pornography, I see that as an opportunity where you can uh, use that as strength to also self-master other areas of your life. Whether that's finances, whether that's business, whether that is relationships with your friends and family and coworkers, whether that's the goals you set in your life, right? Everything comes from self-mastery and discipline. That's how you become successful in, in, in anything. And so if you can kind of take on, I mean, I guess it's just not about, well, you have to control your porn problem. It, it's a, it's about like this is an opportunity to master desires that we have and use them to make you happy, not get rid of them, not stifle them, not not right. So the scripture them.
1: brings up in my mind is bridle, bridle your passions. Ah, and okay. if you think of a bridle, it's leading you. You're not taking it and shutting it down, but it's a very gentle. And bridles are very gentle with horses. You don't jerk them around. You just barely have to give a little not, bit of pressure. It's not,
0: uh, it's not like a, a you know. Um, like uh, chains or shackles or any kind of enslavement for a horse That's either. the
1: opposite. Right. You don't want to do that. And so if you're bridling it, you're right on. Self-mastery is helps you in all areas. And what did we come to the earth to do to learn, to and, learn grow and grow these exact things? Bridling that passion means that I lead myself gently and kindly with love and telling myself it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay and I know that God loves me and I love myself enough to say, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to engage in that. And that's where that, you're right, self-mastery will come into other parts of our lives. And that's, it's just a learning process. And it's where, where I'm in a trip and fall that I need that support that will then I can apply to my other areas in my life, in all areas in, in my life. And that's, that's where your weaknesses can become your strengths. And, and if your we weakness them. is pornography, it can become your strength. And the people who have that can become one of the best, most connected partners out there because they get what it's like to not have that. Yeah,
0: you know, it, it is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I find it very interesting. You know, it's all about perspective, uh, you know, for me, for sure. And uh, I, I find it interesting that we have these challenges and that, um, you know, we have the option to choose right we do have the option mm-hmm. to, choo- to choose when we're presented with these kinds of challenges do I watch porn do I not do I accept what people tell me that it's okay and that you should have it in your relationship do you know it does my therapist <laughs> tell me that it's okay you should be watching porn in your in your relationship you know what I mean like who knows but then you have to choose well do I accept that or do I not so I want to end with a challenge all right I'm um, ready Let's do this uh, because, speaking of choices, you are responsible for the choices you make. That's how it is, right? That's what life is. That's what life is. But we have to be very clear. We are not responsible for what other people choose. We are not... Um, we're not judged by what other people choose. No. And we are accountable for our choices, which again, the world these days is telling you there's no accountability. You don't have to worry. You can choose and do whatever you want and there's no harm or there's no consequences, which is absolutely false. So um, the thing, especially with pornography, is that your choices don't affect only you, right? Your choices don't. Your, Your choices affect your family, your life, your friends. It all has a ripple effect because of your behavior and how it affects everything that you do in your life. So the good news is God will help you to choose the right. You do have that uh, that support there, the atonement is there to help you with that. So the challenge is I want to issue a challenge for everyone to have the moral courage to stand firm. Even if you stand alone. Because that will actually set an example that other people will want to follow.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is because very cool. they feel that energy of standing firm in my beliefs and again if you're engaging in something that doesn't jive with your beliefs, it only leads to discord. And I call it sandpaper. It's like sandpaper all the time rubbing against you. And, and letting go of that and being healed brings that peace and contentment and that feeling of closeness to others and to the Savior. And that's, it. but the thing is, even if you're sinning, you can still feel close to the Savior. It's just that taking that first step and that's that standing firm of I will do these things and make a change today.
0: And we'll talk about that in the atonement episodes Excellent. Uh, as they come up. All right. There we are. Another fantastic episode. And we uh, all enjoyed it and have uh, lots to think about. We welcome all of your uh, comments and feedback. Keep it coming, please. I really do uh, enjoy that quite a bit. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. In the meantime, keep the faith and keep your stick in the ice. All right.
1: Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio and
0: wherever fine podcasts are sold.